0: Jude. Alright, we're in the next to last book of the Bible. Jude. Verses 1 to 3 first of all, and then we'll skip to the end of we'll go all We'll go all the way to the end of the book and read a few more verses. Alright, Jude, verse 1. The servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James. To them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called... I mean, just think about that verse a minute. Sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. You have no idea what privileges you have. Amen. As Bible-believing Christians. One of the sad things is for us to be preserved in in Jesus Christ and called, sanctified by God... And looking around at the world, wishing we could be more like them. One of these days, on Judgment Day, when everybody's up there, we're going to think how stupid we were with the privileges that were given us. Verse 2, mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. So on top of all those things, he's wishing mercy and peace and love be multiplied unto us. And let's just be honest, compared to most people on this earth, We've we've enjoyed those benefits. Yes, true. Verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So uh, the faith that the saints understood is something (coughs) to be fought for. All right, now skip down to verse 20. Says, But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Amen. I want to preach tonight how to conduct yourself in the midst of apostasy. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit come down and bear witness to the truth of your word, Lord. I pray you take us out of the way. I pray we just preach your truth with your power from your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Jude gives instructions to saints in a time of apostasy. Now, apostasy means to fall away from a position that you used to hold. Amen. And the Bible says uh, there would be a great falling away and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So two things are going to happen before the Lord comes back to rapture us out of here. One is there is a great falling away. Uh, We're not in the midst of it. It's about over. Amen. We've about finished it. You can't fall much further. We are in a free fall in this country. You remember how we used to preach against, you know, people going around naked and fornicating and drinking? Well, people that are doing that, They're closer to our side than they are the other. (laughs) What's that country singer, Jason Aldean? I mean, you know, he's not known for being an old-fashioned Bible-believing Christian. But he made a video about, try that in a small town, talking about some of these riots and just total nonsense. And they're lining him up with us old-fashioned people, (laughs) calling him every name in the book. So just good old-fashioned country singing, beer drinking, adultery committing, (laughs) cussing country people—that used to be, you know, the ones we was trying to get to repent from something. Now they're closer to us than the total freaks going the other way. We are in a total free fall. Amen, brother. I mean, if, you, if you're if you even against crime and killing innocent people for no good reason, well, you must be one of those old-fashioned people. You're a racist and a, <laughs> a transphobe and a homophobe and God knows what. <laughs> it's interesting how the things keep changing and turning. But I'll say this. We are in apostasy. About Amen. I remember Dr. Paisley preaching that when I was a little boy. He'd get up oh, there yeah. and say, We are living... In a day and age of apostasy, boy, if he could see this now, man, what in the world would he think? Doctor Upton said, "For you, for generations, we were in apostasy. Well, buddy, we are. So here's what we need to know: How do you live in the middle of apostasy? When you look up, people don't even know what's a boy or a girl, or whether you should kill a baby or let it live, and crazy, you know, tear a town, plumb up, or you know, be peaceful. When you're having to really think hard about such difficult questions as that." You're gone! This country is not going to be fit to live in or maybe even safe to live in when these kids are grown. Amen, brother. We're in a mess. Now, how do you try... I'm constantly hit with a curveball I wasn't prepared for because I'm not used to this. So how do you live in this? All right, there's a bunch of points here. We're probably going to get through about half of them tonight. Maybe we'll finish the rest Wednesday night. So the first thing I want to say is from verse 3... The first thing you do is stand up. You know what a lot of us are doing? And I'll admit, I'm the first one to do it. Um, we're just not standing up for what's right. And the reason I don't, I, I guess maybe coward is a little bit of it. But most of it is, I'm not cowardly, I'm just confused. If somebody says they don't even know what a woman is, how do you help somebody like that? And I, I'm not scared of it, I'm just what would you say to that person? Bless their heart. I mean, I, 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 I read my New Testament. I don't read where you had to explain to people what a woman was. That's a new one. <laughs> well, I don't know what to do when you pitch me that curveball. Um, the, the things that we're being hit with in our day are so strange and off the wall. Dr. Ruckman, you say it this way when you're in a totally unbiblical situation it gets difficult to try to apply the bible to it <laughs> you know the bible kind of assumed god created the earth and male and female created he them and that sort of thing when you get out of that i don't know what you tell them <laughs> i mean yes you still preach in the gospel yes you still preach we're all sinners but i got to be honest man if they don't even know about Uh, the birds and the bees, I'm not sure they're getting it. Amen. But it's not our job to make sure they get it. It's our our job to tell them the truth and go on with it. The first thing you do is just stand up for what's right. Now, I will admit this. Sometimes you get watching the TV and the news and everything, and it looks way worse than it is out there with the common man. I notice that a lot. I notice a lot when you get watching things and everything is just so liberal and so woke and so crazy, just such madness, that you get thinking that all hope is lost and you go talk to some common people and a lot of them know better than that. So what we need to do is stand up so that the common people that do at least know better know, hey, wait a minute, there's still some people got half a brain here. Alright, uh, stand up. What does he say in verse 3? He says, contend for the faith. How I remember Bob Jones Sr.'s voice on those recordings I heard preaching this verse. And he'd say, what does that mean? That means you stand up and fight for the faith. I remember him saying that. Uh, you are going to have to fight for the faith. Yes. Yeah. The world is not going to go along with it. Is this vile world a friend of grace to help me on to God? Uh, no. They're not going to agree with it. Your flesh isn't going to like it. The world isn't going to agree with it. The devil's going to be fighting you at every point. You better be ready to fight for the faith. Um, If you're concerned with getting along with people in this day and age, you're just not going to make it. You have to understand they hate you and your Jesus and your Bible. Amen. And you're, you're just not going to get along with it. If getting along with people is important, Nice knowing you. And <laughs> you ain't going to make it. You're going to have to contend for the faith. All right? Uh, by the faith, I mean the common salvation. The, the sal- if those of us that are saved, we all got saved the same way. We believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And he came in and changed something that we couldn't change. Titus 1.4, he talks about this. He says, uh, to Titus, my own son, after the common faith. Now, why was Titus able to get saved like Paul was? Because he got saved with the common faith, the same thing that Paul believed. All right, Uh, not only is it the common salvation, but it's uh, earnestly. You've got to take it seriously. You're not in a playing around mode, nor are you even in a light-hearted debate. Uh, you're going to have to earnestly contend. Now, by the way, I'm speaking spiritually here tonight. I'm not free by taking up any guns and shooting anybody outside of bona fide self defense, okay? You start talking militaristic and people get nervous. I'm talking spiritually. But you're going to have to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered unto the saints. If you want to know where to look, obviously, first, look in your Bible. Secondly, look at the forefathers that have gone before us. How did it go for them? Well, one of them's over here getting whipped. One of them's over here in a jail cell. One of them, at a time of a miracle of God's providence, throws his uh, support behind James Madison, and we get the Constitution that changed history. Over here, here we're getting religious freedom for the first time. Uh, what What do you do? You notice what the ones that have gone before us have done. Amen. The ones out here in the wilderness and started... Uh, Sandy Creek Baptist Church, that has changed the South and really the world forever. It's we'll never Very be true. able to measure the, the impact they had. And one back there ministering to the Indians and went all the way till they died, and his last words were, Be sure to take care of those Indian missions. I mean, that's the last thing on his mind as he died. he You know what he was concerned with? He's concerned with serving the Lord Jesus Christ, and he didn't retire, he died to die on this battlefield. The old song said that we used to sing in Bible school. Once delivered unto the saints. Now why? Well, here's why. Because it's being changed. Look at verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men, men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. The reason you have to fight for this is it's being changed. Turning some people snuck in that you weren't expecting. Notice what they turned it into, lasciviousness. Lasciviousness means pertaining to sexual lust. So they're taking the grace of God and turned it into a big sexual thing. You know what's going on in our churches? A sexual mess. Amen. There are plenty of churches across this country. That's where you go for what they now call hookups. Good, man. Uh, it's a mess. Well, of course, you can tell by the way they're dressed. They're not in there to worship God.
1: But hey, you're not man. supposed to say that. I know, I know. That's me judging.
0: <laughs> hey, man, some of us got half a brain. <laughs> we know why you dress like that. <laughs> it ain't because you love Jesus. But I know you're not supposed to say it. You're not supposed to say it. Oh, I thought I was supposed to stand up, verse 3. <laughs> You know what you do when you start living like that? You deny our Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord God. So with people changing it, that's why you're going to have to stand up. And the whole rest of the book, it's only one chapter, uh, he tells all the way down to about verse 20, the things that are going on and the problems that they're facing and the things that they'll have to deal with. Now, let's pick up in verse 20 to see what else you do. When you're living in a time of apostasy. Verse 20 says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So the next thing I'll say is build up. The New Testament word for this is edify. Edify. What is an edifice? It's a big old building. So to build up is the same as to edify. Or to edify is the same as to build up. Christian, you shouldn't be where you were five years ago. You need to have grown. You need to have Amen. built something. Your skyscraper ought to be taller by now. Yes. Build up. Now, notice the wording here. It says in verse 20, building up yourselves. The most important thing in your Christian life is not how good a teaching you're getting or how good a preaching you're getting, although that's important. The most important thing is how are you and Jesus doing in your personal life? Amen church is good it's a help god help us if we're not helping anybody but mainly it's between you and jesus how close you are and if you're going to be built up i hope the preacher helps some but mainly you're going to have to build up yourselves you remember when david had all that trouble and saul was after him and trying to kill him and half the kingdom was against him and his, own, and his own men turned on him and spake of stoning him because while he was away, they came and kidnapped everybody and took all the goods. Yep. David said, yeah, the king's after me and half the kingdom's after me and my own men that's been fighting with me are out to kill me. Other than that, you know, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it said David did? David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Yep. There are going to be some things preacher can't help you with. I can't fix it. There are going to be some things your closest family members and friends can't help. There are going to be some things your husband or wife can't help. There's going to be, if you're going to be the Christian you need to be, you and the Lord Jesus are going to be able to have to have to be able to fix some things. That's why it says, building up yourself. Hey, it may, God forbid, I hope this doesn't happen, but it may be a plague comes through and wipes out everybody here. It may be a car wreck where y'all are on a trip. Wipes out everybody in your family. That has happened to people. Did you know the Lord will still have a plan for your life if you survive that thing? I hate to even think about that. But it has happened to people. Amen. Build up yourselves. Um, Then it says, on your most holy faith. So it's not talking about life insurance, and I'm all for using common sense things and getting life insurance, you know. No, this is talking spiritual. You need to build yourself up, not prepare with a lawyer, not prepare with a good insurance uh, policy. Build up with your most holy faith. Acts twenty thirty two, when Paul was saying his goodbyes to them, he says, Now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. So you're going to have to build up yourselves, and it's going to have to be on your most holy faith. Don't forget this. Our faith is holy. It is totally different than the faith of our day in apostasy that was described back here in verse 4 where it said, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Your faith is holy. Amen. I know we're not holy. God help us to do a little better each day. But now this stuff, preaching the word of God, that's holy. Yeah, prayer is holy this Bible is holy the work of God is holy it's not something we mix some sin with uh, being baptized, taking the Lord's Supper after you're saved that, that's, not, that's not something to play around with and mix a little sin in no, that's, that's holy we need to take these things seriously and uh, we do this by the gifts and working of the body of Christ That's why we have the body of Christ, is to help edify one another. Now, first, it'll have to come from you, but it sure is a blessing to have some other people to help. See, I'm going to read to you, I think, from Ephesians 4 here, if I wrote my reference down correctly. Uh, Ephesians 4, 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying... Of the body of Christ. There's our edifying found back in Jude 20. Building up yourself. Verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know what our goal is? Our goal isn't to be as good as you know a good conservative. You know, everybody loves Donald Trump. No, our goal is to be Jesus Christ. Man. That's who we want to be like. We're not going to make that down here, are we? Uh, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slide of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplyeth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the here it is, edifying of itself in love. When you've got the truth and you've got love, the Holy Spirit can do a work with that. You know what we have? We have the truth. How are we doing with the love? That's that's the part we need to add. Yes, yes it is. That's why Jesus said to his apostles by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have love one to another. A new commandment I give unto you, love one another. Uh, he said that with his disciples all the time. They said uh, Philip Shaft's church history, he may not have been exactly a Bible-believing Baptist like us, but by all accounts, he was a faithful historian. Amen. And you know what he said about the first century church? He said the outstanding thing everybody noticed about him was they love. All right, so uh, you'll you'll do that by the gifts and the uh, working of the body of Christ. That's the saved people. There is something wrong with the Christian. that doesn't want to be around other saved people. Uh, Acts 20, verse 32 says, Brethren, I commend you to God and the word of His grace which is able to build you up. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 comfort yourselves together and edify one another. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.4 Neither give hate, heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith. You know what you do? You study the word of God because it will edify you or build you up. Alright, so the first thing you do in a time of apostasy is stand up. Say something. Say, hey look here, I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings. I want to be as loving as I can, but this is messed up. This isn't going to work. You can't have a family if you don't know whether you're going to let the baby live or kill it. You can't have a family if you don't know whether you're a male or a female. There, this You can't have a society like that. Folks. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Stand up. Say something. Then build up. Start with yourself, but also use the tools God's given us, which largely is other Christians. And of course, the Word of God. All right, number three. Still in verse 20, back in Jude. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. All right, here's what you're going to have to do in a time of apostasy, whether you feel like it or not. Whether you'd rather you know scroll social media or listen to podcasts or the rest of the foolishness they keep us distracted with, you are going to have to be prayed up. If you're not, it is not going to work. You are not going to last. You're not going to keep yourself. You're not going to keep your family. It's going to be a miserable failure going to be hard enough even if you're doing these things. But you sure ain't going to do it without. Be prayed up. What does it say? Praying in the Holy Ghost. So it's a spiritual exercise. Ephesians 6.18 says it this way. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So you're praying and supplicating And persevering in it. How? In the Spirit. So prayer is a spiritual exercise. But I'll tell you why. Here's why. Because prayer is authored by the Holy Ghost. When you begin to pray, the prayers that actually get through to God are sent up by the Holy Spirit. The passage on that is Romans 8. See if I can find that one see my Bible. It's good dark print, but this, these pencil scratchings I did over here, i got to have my glasses for Alright, Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, 26, we refer to this often. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Listen, you start praying, you say, oh, I don't even know how to pray. That's okay. Paul says, we know not, not how to pray as we ought. He knows that. You pray anyway. And the Holy Spirit is up there, and I, I can't help but smile as I say it. He, he looks up there at God the Father and knows what we said. was a bunch of foolishness and says, I can I can pray according to your." father and tells him what we really need but I tell you what if you're not even trying I don't know what's going up there for you the other one that's making intercession for you is the Lord Jesus Christ boy that ought to make you want to pray if you know the Holy Spirit is interceding for you and you know the Son of God the Lord Jesus Christ is interceding for you and you're not praying and all you got to do is start and they start talking on your behalf what in the world are we thinking? Be prayed up. Prayer is authored by the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is the secret of our power. Much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. Amen, good. Acts one eight. but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. 1 Thessalonians one five. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. It's where the Holy Ghost comes in that the power is. And you know what he does? He helps with your praying. You want some more Holy Spirit? Go to pray. We have, of course, that message on the filling of the Spirit, and there's a lot of good points in that. But just as big as any of them is, Get praying. Prayer is authored by the Holy Ghost. That's the secret of our prayer. All right, so uh, what do you do in a day and age of apostasy? Number one, stand up. Number two, build up or edify. Number three, be prayed up. All right, now look down at verse 21 here in Jude. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So the next one I'll say that you do in a time of apostasy is keep up. Keep up. First of all, in the love of God, there is nothing that is better for you than to remember how the Lord Jesus Christ loved you. Amen. When we sing those songs to the children, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, we're giving them something just as good as anything any adult's ever been given. Yeah. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. You say, how in the world can I love God more? I'll tell you how. You just remember how He loved you. We love Him because He first loved us. Keep up. Number one, in the love of God. Look at at this wonderful passage in Romans chapter 8 that tells us how great... His love is is for us. There's a great song you hear from time to time. How great the Father's love for us beyond all measure. Alright, Romans chapter 8. Let's see, what am I wanting here? Verse 32 on this point. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us All things every now and then when you get in the doldrums and you're not doing anything for the Lord think about what he gave for you and let me go one step further than that, how much more he's willing to give you he would have given, you take David, when the Lord had done all those things for David, you know what the Lord said when he rebuked him after he fell into sin with Bathsheba, he said and I would have done more I get reading over there in Jeremiah where the prophets weren't true. And the Bible says, but if they would have sticked to my word and caused my people to hear, they would have turned. That's what it said. We don't know what God would do. We know that he gave his son. Praise the Lord. We rejoice and sing about that and preach about that all the time. What I want to know is, what more would he do if we just remember how much he loves us? Romans 8, uh, let's see, what do I want next? Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? All those, things, all those things happen. You know how many Christians have had stuff like that happen and quit on God? I've read story after story of missionaries serving God, lost their family, and quit. Serving God great temptation fell, and they quit a lot of times. There have been people I know that served the Lord and they were full time in His work and on fire for Him and some bad things happened and some heartbreaking things and they lost some family. Next thing you know, they were nowhere to be found. Somebody knock on their door years later and then say, yeah, I used to. People in that church hurt me so bad. Hey, listen. None of those things can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. I'm not trying to belittle those things. Those things are important. Those things are hurtful. Those things stab deep. I know a little of it myself. But don't ever think that has anything to do with your relationship with God. Don't ever be bitter against the Lord. I have a close family member. It's a good Christian man. been a real good, loving uncle to me. And he lost his spouse after, if I remember correctly, 39 years. He was so brokenhearted, and we'd try to comfort him. You know, we'd say something to the effect of, "You know, not be bitter." And uh, he said, "Oh, I've, I've never been bitter. I, said, I don't think it's the Lord's fault." That is a big secret to an enduring Christian. Yes, yes. If you can get where the Mr. Hard Times comes and the trials of life come, and you don't blame God, that's a big secret. Because there's a lot of Christians that quit right there. That's true. Right there is where they go. Um, So keep yourself in the love of God. But still in Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you've got that no matter what happens. And if you lose, God help you, if you lose your closest person that's dearest to you on planet earth, the love of Jesus is still with you. And I know that'll hurt, and I'm not belittling it it at all. How many times we've sung that song, Does Jesus Care? When I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me, my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks. Is it all to him, does he see? Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. Don't get me wrong, that's a sad time but it doesn't separate you from the love of God. So keep up in the love of God. Now, when I talk about the love of God, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, the silly, sentimental, uh, temporal uh, love that the world talks about. I'm talking about the love that was shown in Jesus Christ. Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. 1 John 4, 9, And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The love of God was shown in Jesus Christ. Keep up in the love of God that was shown in Christ. All right, verse 21 says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of God. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Unto eternal life. So keep up in love. And look up. Now when you look up. Let me tell you what the first thing us sinful human beings have to look up for. We have to look up for mercy. We're guilty. Amen. He's holy. We're guilty. First thing we have to get. Is something to fix our relationship with God. When we've disobeyed him. Disregarded him. Disrespected him. Even defied him. And there is tension between us. Somehow, we're going to have to make that right. You know what we're looking for? Mercy. You know where you find mercy? In that love of the Lord Jesus Christ that I just talked about. That's where the mercy is going to be found. Hebrews, let's see, what am I wanting here? Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Mercy. 2 Timothy 1.16 You know what Paul prayed for somebody that helped him out a lot? He said, God, give him mercy. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Look up for mercy. What does it say about mercy? It says, the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know who is going to give you your mercy if you're going to get any? It won't be Mary. There are some that pray to Mary. Bless your heart. She did not have any mercy to give you. All her mercy was all her mercy is used up a long time before now if she could give any. But she needed mercy just like you and me needed. She was just a sinner like us. It's from our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Colossians 1.15 Who is the image of the invisible God. So when you look to God, when you look up for mercy, let me tell you what you see, spiritually speaking. You see the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When you look for mercy, you're looking right straight in the face of Jesus Christ. That's where it'll be found, and if it isn't found there, it won't be found anywhere. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Look up for mercy and from our Lord Jesus Christ. All right? So we've seen stand up. We've seen build up. We've seen be prayed up. We've seen to keep up in the love of God. By the way, part of the reason that you need to stay in the love of God is so that you will be established in the faith. It's a, a faith that majors on love stays true. You know how I know that? Hebrews 13.9 Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace not with meat which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. If you want to get off the course of God's plan for your life let me tell you what to do. Quit emphasizing grace and love and emphasize your pet doctrine. And just be all consumed with well when did the New Testament church start? Or, well, the sovereignty of God. You get a pet doctrine where every time you open the Bible, that's all you can see in it is that pet doctrine. Somebody that's thinking about the love of God, they stay way more balanced and they always last longer. Somebody that has some pet doctrine that they just want to fuss and fight about and it's easy to do, it's easy to do. You find a a doctrine, you're proud of yourself, you're happy, the Lord showed you some things. Next thing you know, that that one thing in the Bible is the only thing you ever want to talk about. I've gotten in that a little bit myself a few times, I'll just be honest. Listen, quit worrying about just exactly to prove your specific little point and think about loving the Lord Jesus and people second only to Him and you'll stay way more balanced and you'll sure last a whole lot longer. What's the, what's the reference I have on that here? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3. I meant to say this a minute ago, but I got sidetracked. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm watching the clock here. I don't want to keep anybody going. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. You know how you get rooted and grounded? Love. Uh, Verse 18, May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Notice this little, uh, what's the word for these little things? A little convocation or invocation or whatever you call these things. Uh, Similar to what we were just reading in the end of Jude. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church of benediction. That's what I think I'm trying to say. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now how do you get to that glorious end? Be rooted and grounded in love. All right, back to Jude. Stand up, build up, be prayed up, keep up, look up. Now here's an important one. Verse 22. And if some have compassion making a difference I call this one tear up it ought to bother us how lost so many Amen. People. there are people I've tried to witness to recently and it, it, it just looks so hopeless outside of the Holy Spirit come in there and do something it just looks so hopeless it's just all I can do not to just break down and keep doing my work I mean how in the world are you going to reach them I know this, if the Lord sees some tears, he realizes it means more to you. If the Lord sees somebody willing to fast and pray for somebody, he sees it means something to you. Uh, the the uh, old hymn says, Weep, or the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus, the mighty, to save. Tear up for others. 1 Peter 3.8 Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Look at it. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Full of pity. Sometimes we use the word pitiful for that person who's pitiful. <laughs> no, it's supposed to mean the person who is observing the person <laughs> who's in bad shape. We're supposed to be full of pity for them. Amen. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Acts twenty nineteen. 19, Paul said, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears. Hey, if, if we're supposed to be following the Apostle Paul, he's our pattern in the church age. You know what he said he did? He just said he did things with many tears. Acts twenty thirty one. therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. He did many tears. He did tears in the nighttime. He did tears in the daytime. He was warning. This meant business to him. This was important. Bible talks about in the end times. One of the problems is their past feeling. I, I remember even as, as even as young as I am, I can remember being a child, and after a revival service, the floor was wet, where people came up and and, pray, and prayed and cried. I hadn't seen a wet floor in a long time. Amen. We're not weeping like we used to. Paul did. Many tears. Night and day with tears. Remember Pastor Bell preaching this point? I remember him almost screaming at the top of his lungs. He said, if you get some burden, that you wet your pillow with tears at night, business will pick up. I remember him preaching that. Effectually you feel this strongly about things and you tear up for people and you care that much, all of a sudden an effect happens. I know that because it says in verse 22, and some have compassion, and look at these wonderful words, making a difference. And I'm using that here for a moment as making a difference in their life, but you also need to make a difference in the sense of there's some others that you saved with fear. Pulling them out of the fire and you getting around some stuff you don't care to get around. But he says in 2 Corinthians 2, 4, For out of much affliction and anguish of heart... You don't go around with the joy, 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 joy every minute. (laughs) And you rejoice. Don't get me wrong, Paul includes that a lot. But now you have some feeling about some things. You're heartbroken about some things. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears... Not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. All right, so uh, tear up. Okay, we're about to run run out of time. I'll do one more here. Look down at verse 23. And others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. And others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Uh, When you realize that somebody's in the fire all of a sudden you kick into action. You still doing that uh, Volunteer fire thing Uh, If somebody's house is burning down, you know what all of a sudden they have to get action They may have been relaxing Have you ever seen uh, people you know that work at the fire department? And sometimes they're up there just cooking and cleaning and all of a sudden they get a call All of a sudden they're running and sliding down that pole and getting in the engine and going. You know what I call this? I call this stir up. Get stirred up. Somebody might be dying. There's some emergency going on. Something ought to stir us up. Hebrews 12, 28. Wherefore we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. What does it say in verse 23 of our text? And others save with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. You'll have to be stirred up, not only with fear, and it ought to scare us the mess that we're in, some of our loved ones are in. But not only with fear, also to action. You better move. The problem with a lot of our Christians is not that they don't know how bad it is, they can quote you 15 verses telling you how bad it is. They can tell you what they've seen on the news. We were talking about it back there. Uh, just before church what a mess it is and I certainly agree I don't believe a cotton picking thing they say on any of the mainstream news media I don't believe those sorry things at all But then we better get to action you say well what in the world are we going to do how in the world are we going to save this country well I'll admit it's not likely that one of us is going to get up there and give a speech or something and all of a sudden everybody turn around but I tell you what we can do We'd be spreading the gospel and supporting those that do and living right in front of everybody. And if a bunch of it, if, if just all the Bible-believing Baptists that are still left did that, it had an impact you couldn't imagine. Amen. Action. Acts 17. Acts 17, 16. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. 2 Peter 1.13 Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Uh, Paul and Peter thought it was important that the Christians be stirred up. 2 Peter 3.1 This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Stir up. Alright, I'm not going to try anymore tonight. But In a time of apostasy, you need to stand up. You need to build up, and mainly yourself. You need to be prayed up. You need to keep up in the love of God. You need to look up for mercy. You need to tear up in that you care. You need to be stirred up. Amen. All right, let's let's uh, let's stand and we'll be dismissed. I won't have an invitation tonight. We are in a time of apostasy. And let me just say, if the Lord doesn't do a miracle unlike any I've ever seen before, it's about over. It is just about over. Our society is about gone. But you and I don't have to be about gone, do we? And the the book of Jude is a great place to study what to do in apostasy in order.